Welcome to The Pharmacy Benefit, a podcast that highlights the role of PBMs in serving millions of patients and consumers throughout the country. I'm J.C. Scott. On today's program, we're going to talk about transparency. If there seems to be one thing that policymakers agree on when it comes to healthcare, it's transparency. There's a general belief that putting more information into the public domain will lead to better decisions and ultimately lower costs. We here at PCMA believe that too, and we've been encouraging greater transparency when it comes to how manufacturers set prices for prescription drugs and promoting measures to provide greater transparency to patients, prescribers, plan sponsors, and policymakers. It's also important to understand the unintended consequences of some particular proposals and how they might lead to the opposite of the intended effect, higher costs. It can seem counterintuitive, so our goal today is to help you understand the difference between the many types of transparency that PBMs support to lower costs and proposals that just might increase the cost you pay for prescription drugs. Joining me to talk about all of this are two guests who bring a lot of expertise to the conversation. Julie Goon is the Senior Vice President of Public Affairs with Anthem. She's responsible for leading the company's state and federal government relations, strategic advocacy, issue management, policy development, and regulatory affairs. She has more than 30 years of healthcare-related policy leadership and management experience. Julie worked for a number of years in the federal government, serving as a special assistant to the president for economic policy in the National Economic Council, and more recently, senior health policy director for the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Tim Dubay serves as Vice President of Regulatory Affairs right here at PCMA, where he leads the association's regulatory strategy and represents PCMA before federal regulators at HHS and other agencies. Tim has deep experience in pharmaceutical and biotechnology policy issues. Prior to PCMA, Tim was a senior policy analyst in the HHS Office of the Assistant Secretary for Planning and Evaluation, and before that spent 11 years with Genentech. Julie, Tim, thanks for joining me and welcome to The Pharmacy Benefit. Glad to be here today. Happy to be here. Thank you, JC. So let's dive right in and I'll open with a general question for both of you because you've both worked in healthcare for many years in different roles. And I'm curious from a historical perspective, how has transparency evolved in healthcare? Has there always been this much focus and, and what do you think's driving it? Over the last decade, patients' use of technology to interact with their healthcare provider view personal health information, and price shop for prescriptions has grown significantly. As technology has evolved, the rise of innovative solutions in healthcare, including electronic health records, and their increasingly widespread use has resulted in our ability to better deliver affordable patient care. Personal computers and mobile devices have also become far more commonplace, which has amplified the ability of consumers to access information around their specific healthcare needs. In the last 10 years, we've also modernized health data exchange standards to further support interoperability and offer new opportunities to engage with patients. Today, most prescriptions are prescribed using an electronic prescribing system that allows the provider to enter prescription information into a computer device. Patients and providers now have access to electronic transparency solutions through real-time benefit tools that can be integrated into a provider's electronic health record and are designed to provide information on patient-specific out-of-pocket costs, drug alternatives, and prior authorization requirements. Through these tools, patients now have the visibility into how much a prescription will cost before going to a pharmacy, and that's something 
um, that they didn't have for a long time. Uh, prescription prices changed on a regular basis, and without access to this kind of tools and information, uh, you may not have known what your price was going to be when you walked into a pharmacy. That's great, Julie. Thank you. And and Tim, Tim, what's your perspective? I think Julie's telling us that really the evolution of technology has allowed us to have a greater focus on transparency because the tools are there to enable it. I think that's right. I think Julie's right. You know, outside of healthcare, consumers have had access to a lot of information about different products that they might want to be purchasing. Um, you know, Amazon, you know, going as far back as eBay, search engines on their own. Um, you can find the price for the same item from many different vendors all over many different markets. And, um, you know, that it's come calling now in the healthcare industry, I think is it's about time that people have a little bit more access to a sense of the price range of services that they might actually need. That makes a lot of sense, Tim. And Julie, you touched on real-time benefit tools as you talked about this evolution of technology. And I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit more, because Tim is comparing it here to what you know the consumer experience is on, say, Amazon and other platforms where we're going to buy any number of consumer goods. I know it's a little more complicated when it comes to prescription drugs, because our health insurance coverage matters a whole lot to what we actually end up paying as the individual consumer, as well as what the insurance company pays. So, so talk a little bit more about real-time benefit tools, how that works for these particular types of purchasing decisions? Well, many of us have applications for our health insurance. You know, we here at Anthem have an application called Sydney Health. And if you go into Sydney Health, you're able to find pharmacies near your location that are in your network. And you're also able to input what kind of prescription you're looking for and what the what your cost sharing and the price of that prescription will be on a real-time basis. So, you know, you don't have to try and figure out if you need to drive to, you know, this drugstore or that drugstore. Um, you can find out very easily, you know, and generally with geographic filtering, which facilities are closest to your location or whether it is actually more reasonable to go ahead and try and order something um, by mail for a longer period of time. That sounds like it really empowers the consumer to be able to take some of these costs decisions into their own hands. There, there's an element here for for the doctor too, right? The prescriber, uh, because you talked a lot about electronic health records and how these benefit tools can be used right at that point of prescribing. Sure. Real-time benefit tools are uh, electronic, like I said, electronic prescription decision support tool that can help patients to directly lower their out-of-pocket costs, uh, but they can also help connect directly with payer and PBM data to present accurate patient-specific drug coverage information in real time. And this allows for providers as well to search and select a drug and dosage that will fit the patient's needs. Then, whether filling prescriptions at their local pharmacy or having their prescriptions delivered to their door, our members can look up the price of a drug and uh, find a preferred pharmacy, compare notes, and keep track of their prescription history and provide all that information to their provider as well. Let's switch gears, Tim, just a little bit. And we, we've, we've talked quite a bit about how technology is, is helping on the consumer side. There's obviously a big part of the equation here when it comes to the entities that are providing coverage in the first place, so plan sponsors. I know that one of the things that PBMs have supported for a long time is providing information to their clients on all contract terms, including how PBMs are paid for their services and negotiated rebates and all of those inputs. Is that something that's now universally done? And, and, and what's your perspective on transparency between the PBM providing the service and, and, the, and the clients that they represent? Yeah, that's a good question. As we understand it from among our membership, 
right? Most of our members are providing that level of detail back to their clients and then asking that their clients, the health health insurance uh, plan sponsors themselves, pass that kind of information along to their clients, the employers. We think that some of the noise and the friction in this space is that PPMs have, um, right, they contract on two different sides. First, with the plan sponsor itself, and then also with pharmacies. We're not really talking about pharmacy contract transparency here, but the employer contracts, the insurer contracts. So employers are choosing from among several insurer options for their employees, and they may not have at the time they're making that decision, um, you know, full transparency into what the insurer has worked out with the PBM that they've chosen on that point. And so what we're looking for is, you know, being able to pull that information up to the employer so they understand what they're buying when they're buying pharmacy benefits in in a pairing with a health insurance issuer and a PBM. You know, they may may not have a final choice in in what those contract terms are, but at least if they understand where the compensation is coming through and and what benefits are being delivered, um, that that would give them a better understanding and, you know, more ability to, in the future, purchase healthcare for their employees in the way that they want to. So explain that a little bit more to me, Tim. Where does that choice reside? How important is it that plan sponsors, insurance providers have that degree of choice to determine what level of information that they need and how they want to set up these benefits? Sure. So typically when an employer or an issuer or a benefits consultant that they're working with is going ahead to set up their next year's you know, open enrollment process for employees, they're using you know a third-party system where they're soliciting um, requests for proposals. And if they're soliciting health insurance plans, the health insurance plans are then working on their own with one or more PBMs to come up with the pharmacy benefit design as well. So um, the bids would come in, and um, by the time the employer sees the final set of bids, they may not see the full array of options that have been presented to either the consultant or to the individual insurer um, that they're insurers that they're choosing from at that point. You know, PBMs exist because they provide a valuable service in the market, and uh, in providing a valuable service, they're compensated for doing so. And so the contract terms will essentially describe how the PBM is being paid for these services, right? We talk sometimes about uh, spread pricing versus pass-through pricing on contracts. This is different ways that the amount paid to the pharmacy is reflected in the amount paid to the PBM by the insurer. The same thing happens with manufacturer rebates. There's either retained rebates or pass-through rebates. And then, you know, on top of that, there could be additional other administrative or service fees. And, you know, the ultimate purchaser, the employer, knowing exactly how the PBM is being compensated might give them a better sense of the level of value that the PBMs are actually creating um, on behalf of their employees. Julie, let's let's get your perspective on this as Anthem, right? As a representative of Anthem, on what transparency your plan sponsor customers and consumers find to be most helpful. I think at the end of the day, what's most helpful is giving consumers meaningful information to help them make choices that will drive value and improve outcomes. So we strongly support transparency that does that. Some transparency is just, you know, and I think we'll talk about this a little later, just dumping a whole bunch of stuff out in the marketplace, which isn't necessarily helpful. Anthem, as I mentioned before, has developed tools that simplify healthcare and empower consumers with relevant and actionable quality and cost information, while also safeguarding their privacy and security. For example, Anthem Engage, another one of our programs, provides our members with the estimated total cost of likely episodes of care tailored to their specific health benefits. This also allows them to compare their out-of-pocket costs and quality across providers and facilities before they utilize services. As we continue to move forward, 
It is even more essential that price and quality transparency align with the way care is delivered. This is why we are continually updating and improving our ability to process and share insights with members and providers. Our goal is to reduce complexity and improve the consumer's experience. Thanks, Julie. And and you touched on the next theme here for our conversation when you started to distinguish between the kinds of transparency that are actually helpful for plan sponsors and consumers and the, the other kinds of transparency that might, as I said at the top, have the opposite of the intended effect and actually increase uh, drug costs. One thing that leaps to mind for me is having to publicly reveal specific price concessions that might allow drug makers to realize that well, gee, maybe we can actually discount less than we've been discounting in these negotiations. So I'd, I'd love it if both of you could weigh on in on this a little bit and talk about how not all transparency is good, especially for the consumer and the goal of lowering costs. So Julie, you want to you want to continue on that theme? Sure. As I said, and just to reiterate, PBMs and plans support transparency that can help lower costs and improve the quality of care. So we support transparency that actually does help to empower patients and their physicians. We can go back and talk some more in a couple minutes about um, more of these drug benefits tools where members and providers can find pharmacies, understand coverage and tiering, find actual prices for prescription drugs, including their applicable cost share. This kind of transparency allows both the patient and his or her prescriber to make informed decisions using both clinical and pricing information. However, as you described, JC, proposals that would require disclosure or visibility into actual negotiated rebates would have an adverse impact and would likely result in an increase in overall drug costs. This view is supported by the Federal Trade Commission, which has studied the issue and found that such kind of disclosure creates a risk for anti-competitive behavior by manufacturers that would increase prices. Furthermore, the disclosure of negotiated rates and drug-specific rebate information is not a consumer-concentric approach and would fail to provide consumers simple, accurate, personalized information that is actionable. The prior administration finalized the transparency rule with the intention that technology companies would use this information to develop their own apps for consumers. However, any out-of-pocket cost estimates provided through third-party apps would likely be inaccurate and misleading since third-party app developers would not have access to an individual enrollee's benefit information to provide timely, accurate, and personalized cost estimates. So it's really important that the information that you're getting does tie in directly with your own benefit plan so that you know what your cost is going to be, not just generally what the cost is out in the marketplace. Tim, I wonder if you can help unpack that a little bit, too, because Julie made an important point about the disclosure of negotiated amounts. And and to me, just on its face, it seems a little bit counterintuitive that open price competition could actually lead to increased costs. I thought in most marketplaces that would lead to decreased costs. What's your, your perspective on that? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, as Julie was describing it, transparency in contract terms helps empower employers and individuals purchase health care insurance. However, transparency in these final net negotiated costs does not. So the term that economists use for this is uh, tacit collusion. And as Julie referenced, you know, both the Federal Trade Commission and the Congressional Budget Office, um, they have a, a sort of you know, a hefty body of literature on this, on this concept. And it really happens in highly concentrated markets like prescription drugs and, and PBMs, right? So when there are few negotiating with few, this really sort of comes to bear. The reason that costs go up when there's tacit collusion, this isn't that drug company A is, you know, telling drug company B all of its secrets, right? This is all when the information is out in the open, 
Um, drug company A knows drug company B's discount strategy um, across all plans in this case. And then both companies can look at each other's final results and say, oh, I didn't have to give away that much of a discount to get preferred status, or even just non-preferred status would have been fine. And they essentially trim their discounts and they still come out at the same essentially coverage position that they would have had they not, you know, essentially bid blindly, which is what how PBMs can work most effectively, right? You never let the guy, you never let drug company A know what drug company B is offering you. That's just, you know, negotiating against yourself. And let me interject there, Tim, just to make sure I really understand it, because the easiest an analogy that pops into my mind, and I want you to explain why this is not a good, a good analogy, because I think that's what you're going to say. But the easiest analogy to me is, is the gas station and the price of gasoline. They're literally where I get my gas most mornings here on in my neighborhood in Arlington, there's an Exxon on one side of the street and a uh, and another gas station literally across the street. And they always seem to be dovetailing off of each other's prices that go up on the sign. Why, why does it not work the same way in the prescription drug marketplace? So if we limit this to brand name prescription drugs, the main difference is that gasoline is a commodity, right? Many producers are selling to many different sellers. Those two gas stations might literally be filling from the same truck. And then, you know, their, their individual overhead costs, rent, employee costs, um, other insurance, whether they operate a service station as well, that would dictate, you know, what kind of margin they need to make on gasoline at a commodity level. Brand name drugs instead are monopolies. They might face only indirect competition before generic drugs are available. So if we think about hepatitis C and the example that provides in the past five to 10 years, right, right now there are, you know, four or five different high-priced direct acting antivirals that are all highly effective and mostly safe. Um, everyone, you know, has been impressed with the, the outcomes from these products, but they're not the same molecule. So they're not commodities with each other, and they each have slightly different clinical indications. They're all competing for, you know, coverage and preference on, a, on any given PBM's formulary, with the losers either being non-preferred or not covered. The winner is the one that the PBM through their P&T committee is going to choose that offers the lowest net cost given similar safety and efficacy. But if the losers, those that don't get covered, knew that the winner offered, say, um, you know, a specific discount, they would know exactly how to get onto the formulary next time. If the winner knew that they gave away 20 percentage points more than the loser, next time they would only give away one percentage point more. And so when the winner knows by how much it won, it's definitely going to sort of dial back that going forward. Gotcha. That's helpful, Tim. I, I appreciate that because it's not as straightforward as it might seem when we think about to your point, commodities or other goods that that do operate in a little bit more head-to-head price competition given oftentimes that we don't have enough competition in that prescription drug marketplace. Julie touched on another topic I'd love for you both to comment on, and that is the transparency and coverage rule that was issued by the last administration here in Washington, D.C. I know it's something that PCMA objected to uh, in particular, and I'm curious if you all can share your perspectives on why there were concerns with this particular rule. Sure. So, in reality, PCMA filed comments in support of half of this rule, and I think that that's important to, to keep in mind. Right, One part of this proposed rule that came out in 2019 um, would have required health insurance issuers in the individual and group health insurance market to provide online enrollee self-service tools where someone enrolled in a plan could log on to a website, see where they are in their deductible out-of-pocket maximum obligations, look up an item or service that they their doctor says they might need, and see what their cost-sharing obligation would be for that service. This is good transparency. This is what we're after. This is what we think the market is building toward and um, can provide 
to people enrolled in either CMS programs or in the commercial market and employer-sponsored plans. This is the good stuff. This is what we're here for. The other half of the rule, which we opposed, also required health insurance issuers to post on their own websites what they called machine-readable files that would include the negotiated rates paid to network providers, including pharmacies, um, for covered services. Our initial opposition to the proposed rule was based upon the fact that these files didn't meet the the statutory obligation that they were based on. Um, This obligation comes out of the Affordable Care Act, where the plans were required to make available to enrollees information in plain language that would help them choose from among different insurance options. So something that is quote-unquote machine-readable is clearly not plain language, um, because if it takes a machine to read it, then a human probably can't. Um, So that was our initial objection to it. Then the final rule came out in November 2020, um, about a week after the election, and it included this other idea called historical net price um, that was specific to prescription drugs and would be the historical amount paid by that issuer or their PBM on their behalf over a 90-day period that started about six months prior. So now we had a new set of objections because if something's not in a proposed rule, it can't show up in a final rule. Um, And that is really where a lot of our advocacy has been sort of snowballing since then. I think that's absolutely right. I think Tim gave you a really good response to that. And I I think it's really important in any case when the government tries to put something in a final rule they didn't include in a proposed rule, even if you like it. I mean, it's just that's just not not really aligned with the Administrative Procedures Act. And it leaves future rulemaking open to challenge. And so I think it's important to call that kind of thing out. Additionally, I just want to, you know, double down on, on what Tim said about the issue of disclosure of proprietary information that would lead, could would or could lead to tacit collusion among the manufacturers, as well as the requirement that we disclose, you know, very specific drug level rebates. It was not transparency that was going to help the consumer. It might have helped, you know, I, I don't know, third party consultants. It might have helped uh, the government potentially, but I I don't even know that that's true. I think it would have mostly uh, helped drive up prices and therefore. We were all in the right position in opposing moving forward with that finalized rule. So the takeaway here, the rule one was not going to be all that useful for consumers in the first place because of the way and the nature in which they were going to put this information out there wasn't something that you or I could easily understand and use in an actionable way. And 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 two, it brings up this risk yet again of undermining our ability, the industry's ability to negotiate for lower drug costs by putting the information out there in a way that could lead to collusion among manufacturers. So I I can understand where the concerns were. Tim and Julie, is it fair to say through the course of this conversation that there are a couple of takeaways? One is obviously we want to maintain the ability for those who are providing health insurance coverage to have choice in deciding how to set that up and what kind of information they need to set up their benefits. But two, most importantly, is at the center of all this has to be the patient or consumer and providing transparency that's going to be useful and actionable by them to make decisions about their own individual costs. Is that a fair summation? Yeah, JC, I think that's right. I think that there are a number of either CMS or you know private sector solutions and policies and programs being implemented um, in in the near term that are bringing that kind of transparency to either people shopping for health insurance coverage or people trying to use their health insurance coverage, and um, essentially all the rowing should be in that boat to really help consumers. Anything that's requiring other kinds of disclosures 
of net pricing that's negotiated, right? That's not going to help a consumer in any kind of way. Um, it's also administratively burdensome and it distracts from the broader goal of helping people make better decisions. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to follow up, JC, and, and, and say exactly what you said. This is about the consumer and the tools that we've talked about through this podcast, you know, are all direct, all the tools that we've designed um, have been directed to help the consumer. They display the member cost share, accounting for the deductible and out-of-pocket costs for home delivery and retail, as well as any ge- generic or therapeutic alternatives. I think you asked me earlier about the how the real-time drug benefit tools work for providers as well. And I just wanted to uh, talk about that for a minute because I think while it's important that transparency really be directed towards the consumer needs, uh, the provider is also an important element in this as well. And on the provider side, our electronic real-time prescription benefit tool is integrated within the provider's workflow and displays patient-specific prescription drug benefits, including formulary coverage, cost-share information, and therapeutic alternatives at the point of sale. So it helps the provider see patient-specific information as they're actually using it. They can use their e-prescribing tool to prescribe a drug. They use their integrated electronic tool, see that information, and determine if any changes need to be made. Once they prescribe the drug, if a prior authorization is required, a provider can do an electronic prior authorization or EPA. It's the easiest way to submit and receive prior authorization requests and redeterminations. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it improves the member's experience because they receive that determination sooner. The information we can give to our providers through this tool enhances the patient-provider discussion They can talk about adherence, they can talk about side effects, risks associated with the drug, costs of the drug compared to other alternatives, including lower cost generic alternatives. So by providing true price and coverage transparency, the patient is less likely to be surprised at the pharmacy and more likely to remain adherent. I really did want to go back to that question and underscore this, the importance of this kind of information to the provider as well as to the consumer. It's a great point, Julie. And, and I'll, I'll ask you for maybe the, the closing comment and closing thought as we wrap up here. But as we think ahead to where everything is going when it comes to transparency, I leave this conversation very much thinking it's all about how do we improve that consumer experience, empower them with more information, to your point, perhaps reduce the abrasion when they have to go through through steps in the system. But when we think about what's next with technology, it's about empowering prescribers and their patients uh, in the ways that you're describing. Is Is that how you see it too? Absolutely. We believe the future of transparency and drug pricing will be delivered by the consumer imperative, um, as well as driven by the competitive marketplace in which we operate as PBMs to satisfy the market demands of our clients. And our clients are our customers, their members, and uh, providers. And given the competitive dynamic, I think the market adjusts and delivers and innovates whatever it is that the customers want. To the extent there is government regulation, consistency across different transparency requirements will be vital in order for PBMs and health plans to continue to deliver this kind of value and innovation for their clients. Terrific. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Tim. This was a a great conversation. It's a complicated topic, and you all help provide a lot of context and focus. Thank you for, for joining me for this today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. 
and thank you to all of you for listening. I encourage you to subscribe to The Pharmacy Benefit and download all of our podcast episodes. You can do that on Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. I'm JC Scott. Thanks for joining me. Mm-hmm.